hello and welcome. I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Play Next, created in partnership with BMW. Thank you so much for joining us this week for another exploration into new music and the conversations around it. To start, I have a question for you. Have you ever heard of Elliot Moss? Well, if you have, I've got some great news. He's going to be joining us on the show later, chatting about all the new music he's been busy making. And if you haven't heard of Elliot Moss, I've got great news. I'm going to be chatting to the multi-talented, multi-instrumentalist Elliot Moss today, whose boundless creativity is really something I can't wait to explore. So yeah, it's pretty much win-win situation. After that, I'll be chatting to everyone's favourite post-punk drummer come environmentalist, Faye Milton from Savages, about the achievable steps the music industry can make towards a healthier planet. But before that, shall we take a deep dive into some of the best new music around this week? First up, we have an Australian duo whose music has a fantastic ability to emote an incredible range of feelings. Past tracks like Castle are eerie and brooding, whereas this next track is energised and bouncy with lyrics that you can't help but relate to. Here's the brilliant Slum Sociable with Explain Myself. I woke up in such a mess And I'm sure I'll have regrets We'll find out All the layers we had left On the floor around the bed They'll stay there Why I do 
love the electro pop element to that. And I think the production is fantastic. Explain myself from Slum Sociable. Very excited to hear what comes next from them. Next for you, if you're a fan of the smooth versatility of someone like Erica Badu, then you are going to love Kemi Day, an exciting new talent who mixes crunched up hip hop beats with subtle neo soul grooves. Her track Five A Day is a dusky ode to early noughties R&B and is gorgeous. Here is Kemi Day. You've been hungry for a while, you deserve a taste Extra high, yes, extra moist, come and get it while it's in your face Baby, don't delay, I ain't gonna wait for you to Get down on your knees, I'm ready for service Go harder, baby, I'm worth it Five a day from Kemi a day, utterly luxurious with such beautiful vocals and grooves. So if you haven't noticed, Play Next is a little bit different to your average podcast. We love to give real time to new music and those people making it, whether that be deep conversations with the artists we're most excited about or playing brand new tracks in their entirety. 
And since we're doing that every week, you might think it would make sense to have an accompanying playlist where listeners can indulge in their favourite tracks from each episode. Well, you know what? We think so too, which is why you'll be able to find a Play Next playlist on Spotify by searching BMW UK. Our last track of three today is from Oslo-based pair Yuska. Building atmosphere through a bustling backbeat and heady synths, the track we're about to play you, because I really don't mind, harks back to the club scene of the 90s, whilst also sounding fresh through its distinctly modern production. Now, I promise this is going to immediately make you want to be in a club or swing late night at a festival with your mates. You are going to love this. lasers, throbbing bass speakers, dancing with my eyes closed, my mates, back in the room, Bowman, back in the room. Sorry, that was the brilliant, because I really don't mind, from Yuska. 
Now, I hope you're enjoying all the music and artists we bring you every week. And remember, all it takes is one click to subscribe and you could have all the week's best new acts waiting patiently for you in your chosen podcast app every Wednesday morning. Still to come, we have the amazing Faye Milton sharing her thoughts on sustainability in the music industry. But before that, I wanted to catch up with a musician whose creativity is really quite inspiring. New York-based songwriter Elliot Moss has used lockdown to his advantage, taking the time to experiment with his sound and unleash several new tracks. Now, I don't know much about Elliot other than I'm really impressed by what he does. And he seems to be a bit of an old soul. And I mean that as a huge compliment. So I thought it was about time that we all got to know him a little bit better. Elliot, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast. It's a real treat to get to chat to you. How are you? Thank you so much, Edith. I'm great. Uh, you know, just laying low in New York and trying to make as much as I can with what's kind of around me at home and hanging out with family and my dog. So, you know, all's well. I need to paint a picture for people who are listening to the podcast because you are in a, and what can only be described as a musical Starship Enterprise. You have this amazing collection of, I've no idea what a lot of it is behind you, but it's a lot of knobs and things that look really impressive. Is that your, (laughs) are you in your studio? This is my studio. Yeah. Um, I I kind of, some years ago developed like a serious fondness for, uh, analog equipment and processing and uh, a lot of it is uh, built by uh, my friends and I and then some of these things are kind of uh, little modules that I've like uh, ran to the end of the universe just to sort of like nail down and finally find but uh, yeah I mean each each one of them sort of represents it like a a separate vendetta and uh, tangent of mine and like it's kind of fun to get to relive that every time you use it on a piece of music it kind of like um, it brings all of those experiences into like what you run through it how did you do you mind me asking how you how and, and when you started writing music and what it was what was the kind of catalyst uh, yeah I mean really early on I mean I, I think like Every guitarist, I guess I'm primarily a guitarist, like every guitarist, I played in a bunch of bands growing up and wanted to be David Gilmore or Steve Vai or John Petrucci or any any of the above at one point in my life. And then that, that sort of modulated, I guess, into being more interested in the songwriting and like, you know, what, what could be told or, or accomplished, you know, on an emotional level with music as opposed to just like the, the technical fascination with a guitar or with, a, you know, being able to play faster than your friend Justin or something like that. The way I use music needs to be constantly evolving and like, you know, serving me as a person on my way to trying to find happiness. And so I, I think like the, the the moment that I sort of found myself addicted to it was the moment that, or it wasn't really a moment, but it was like a year, you know, maybe 16 or 17 that I was able to kind of go to songwriting as, as like a, like a place of retreat and a place of like generating a, a more clear narrative around some sort of a trauma or a problem or a sadness that, that needed to sort of be assigned a beginning, a middle and an end and giving like a sadness, a story and, and a shape and a form made it easier to perceive and process and eventually get over as opposed to just dwelling and dwelling and dwelling. I mean, like uh, it gave me closure in a way that nothing else ever did. But then the beauty of it is that then that music is released into the world and it doesn't really belong to you anymore. It belongs to everybody else. This is something we I find myself talking to artists about a lot is this idea of of then the, the the way that music then can go on to have another life with other people in various ways really as well. Right. I mean absolutely uh, as much as we'd all like to feel like the saddest person in the world when we're laying in bed after we've had our heart broken, I, I think like the, the ways that I've encountered sadness in my life have not been particularly unique. And you know, 
every now and then I'll get a message from somebody who uh, was kind of in the place I was when I wrote the moment, you know, when I wrote the song, sorry. Uh, they're in that moment now, and I wrote it three years ago, and to kind of uh, be able to have like a, a quick back and forth with them and to just sort of see each other wherever we are in the world and say like, you know, yeah, you, you know, it's going to get better, it's going to be fine, you know, um, it's cool to to see music yeah, operate on that level too and not just be, you know, songs that we measure our streams on Spotify and get to tour because we got in these playlists and whatever it is. Oh, it's time to slip, slip, slip through your slip, slip, slip through I love as well how you have a real admiration for instruments. Is that something that you've always been interested in? Is almost kind of taking the the traditional sounds and and playing and manipulating and and finding a new sound and life for them in a way. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think a sound that's been you know manipulated and and sort of changed in a way where you can still kind of hear its roots is like the most interesting to me because it. it you, you can hear like, you know, where it was and where it ended up all at once. And so it gives it like a complexity and a depth that I think you just don't get if you plug a synthesizer in and scroll to preset 33 and start playing. So it's kind of the thrill of the hunt a little bit. And when you get it, it's that much more satisfying because, you know, you've, you've found the thing that finally says what you feel. Because, I mean, you could take a trombone and, and record it any number of ways, but like only one of them sounds like cars passing by or something. And so being able to kind of uh, take a sound source and a, like a method of recording it and combine them to convey what you're saying as opposed to just relying on one or the other are you finding the kind of the creative space to 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 write and, and make music though you know in this kind of weird place that we we all find ourselves in yeah definitely I, there's a lot of different things i want to do and I, I there's some part of me that feels like i haven't quite nailed down what this chapter of my life means in the form of a record yet and i'm i'm, I'm still waiting for the the ability to say that with clarity and uh so I've been amassing a lot of components and pieces and chunks, but I think the, like the through line there, I guess, is like it's not shown itself yet, but I feel like it will soon. Are you missing playing live? Are you missing that that experience, both for you, you know, being on stage and performing, but also the kind of, you know, what you get back from an audience as well, that kind of connection? Yeah, I feel like I'm missing a part of my education right now, and it's uh, seeing how what you're doing like washes over a room of uh, individuals and and really focusing on the people that are paying attention um, it's 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 so valuable and um when i'd written high speeds i'd never played a show in my life too so it was kind of really fascinating to go and um approach a record with like all the experience of of you know someone who's gone and, and toured for a year I like the idea that you're kind of like, you know, you're listening as well. You're kind of, it's not just about, oh, I'm going to do this. It's kind of, there's a almost kind of answer and response kind of thing there of listening to the music, listen to what you're making, listen to the response. And I love that. That's brilliant. It's like, I mean, this is sort of morbid, but it's like, you know, when you, 
I don't hunt, but I mean, you know, when you eat a, a, a deer that, that died while it was scared, I mean, you can taste it. And I, I feel like listeners can, they've got that same sort of uh, like psychic sense with music. You know, they can, they can tell you when, when you weren't in it or when, when you weren't sure what you were doing or if you felt like if, if you were being forced into something poppier than you wanted to be doing. Like there's, even if you can't put it into words, there's just that tinge that a thing has. And uh, I just want to make sure to not make stuff that, Sounds like I'm making it just to make it. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about I Heard, the track I Heard, and, and how that came to be and the kind of journey that that went on as a, a piece of music and a song? Sure, yeah. I mean, that kicked around for a bit as the horn arrangement for a long time, but I had always had the... It was just a vocal and a drum machine for a long time. Um, the tune, it sort of pokes fun at the idea that there's all of these shortcuts and easy ways that we can find happiness in our lives. And that's something that I kind of tricked myself into believing for a while too and read a lot of self-help books and tried a lot of things when I was you know, in a particularly dark place just thinking that if I ate better and ran every day and had a very specific schedule and only talked to certain people that, that I could get through it and it's it's not a matter of like changing your structure uh, it's it's a lot bigger than that and um, so that, that tune is kind of me being sarcastic and, and making fun of me maybe a year ago and just saying like you know dude it's way more complicated than that you're trying to oversimplify something that maybe you don't even understand in the first place. Elliot, it's been an absolute joy getting to chat to you and just kind of, you know, talk to you about how you make this wonderful music. And thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Edith. It's been really nice talking to you. So great to get to chat to Elliot and find out a little bit more about him. Here's I Heard. I Heard. God controls our happiness and our lives I heard God controls our happiness and our lives I heard that all you need to be famous and successful Is to eat your greens and get eight quality hours of sleep
good track you have to go and watch that video that him and his dad and all his mates made for that it's brilliant he reminds me of so many songwriters and bands that i love and just brilliant to catch up with and find out about his creative process very impressed you're listening to play next with me edith bowman brought to you in partnership with bmw Now, to end the show, I've got a dreamy little number for you from Melbourne duo Two People. But the show's not quite over yet, as right now, I want to discuss a subject that quite rightfully is getting more and more airtime in the music industry. And that subject is sustainability. Sustainability is no longer a buzzword or a box ticking exercise. It's something that individuals, companies and even countries are now learning is essential to our collective future, prosperity and even survival. Historically speaking, the music industry has been slow to respond to the environmental challenges of the planet's future. But as lockdown gave musicians thinking time, it also threw up questions on what it means to record, tour and market themselves in a more sustainable fashion. One such musician is the drummer for Savages and co-founder of climate group Music Declares Emergency, Faye Milton. Like her music, her views are forward-thinking and progressive. So I wanted to get her take on the topic. Faye, how are you? So great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for your time. Great, thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm good, I'm well, thank you, Edith. So as well as everything else that you're doing, Faye, you're the co-founder of Music Declares Emergency. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is. So we set up Music Declares Emergency about a year ago. And what it is basically is a bridge between the music industry and the climate movement. So when we saw the, the huge protests of Extinction Rebellion and Fridays for Future, etc., happening, when there was moments where music was involved, it really, really sort of lifted everyone and made it something that everyone can really sort of believe in and feel positive about. So noticing how that was such an important part of the protest movement, of the climate movement. We were then thinking about how, what's stopping musicians from getting involved. And one of the things is that musicians travel a lot. We're touring all the time. We spend our lives in airports and planes and even, you know, vinyl and CDs are all made out of plastic. It's a very polluting industry. Mm. So I think there was this feeling of artists not wanting to use their voice because they didn't want to be hypocrites. 
So seeing this being a bit of an issue, one of the one of the ways in which we saw to get music into the climate movement and have that exchange was to start greening the music industry from within. Yeah. But also reminding everyone it's not just down to individuals. It's not down to artists to stop flying, et cetera, et cetera. It's not down to those individual changes. The key thing is getting our governments to listen and getting public awareness of the issues raised to a point where the government have to listen because everyone's saying, look, you need to change. So that's really the the key thing in this moment. How have you found those conversations with artists to try and get them signed up, to try and get them involved in it? One of the interesting things was finding how, what a huge response we had from the industry. I think one of the reasons we launched all together with lots of people signed up already was it's safety in numbers. If we're all saying something, no mm. one's going to be picked out individually. So that we were really amazed with the response people were really ready to start making changes and get involved in something that felt right for them but the other thing is when we look at touring and stuff like that yes when you see a band flying around the world that's a high carbon footprint for those people but these issues are so much more complicated than that basically if you think about one show an artist flying to a show to play the show their carbon footprint going to the show is a lot less than the carbon footprint of all the fans individually within their own town arriving at that show maybe it's 500 people 20,000 people those audiences are also contributing so everyone's involved it's not just the artist it's it's yeah. all of us which is why it's not going to be solved by one artist saying right I'm not touring anymore plus we need yeah. music we need that positivity and that strength and that excitement unification as well at the minute you know absolutely yeah absolutely but what we're looking at is the the structures and the systems that are in place that create the situation in which you can't go to a gig without creating a carbon footprint maybe there's a way in which towns can be planned differently etc etc so this is why we're pointing all of our attention towards governments and towards sort of those bigger structures that can make the fundamental changes that actually will make real change rather than just tokenistic efforts here and there. I love the idea of like almost like a school bus, you know, like when you went to school, (laughs) of you kind of like going on a kind of school bus thing to a gig, because again, it's that kind of community camaraderie that sort of you know particularly post gig when you're all talking about it and all that that idea of like venues putting on like the equivalent of school buses to pick people up yeah absolutely that's such a great idea and that would particularly work I guess in Scotland where lots of people (laughs) traveled between Edinburgh and Glasgow for shows and yeah yeah and having a few bevvies on the way I think would be a lot of fun pacing yourself pacing responsibly of course but (laughs) Exactly. So there's lots of really positive things like that that could could be really good fun changes. It's wonderful when you see artists that you really admire pick up the the mantle and, and go with it and support you. And, you know, Foles, for example, who had the banner at the Mercury Prize that had no music on a dead planet was mm. how did that come about? Was that with them being involved already or was it a suggestion from you or, or how does that how does that happen? That kind of thing happen? Well, that that came about quite naturally in a way. I know Foles really well. I've known him for a long time. And I know Edwin and Yanis particularly are very concerned about climate and think about it a lot and have done a lot of reading around it. And, and in fact, Edwin was involved a lot in Extinction Rebellion. So I knew they were going to the Mercury's. I said, would you be up for holding up our slogan and supporting that on the red carpet? They said, yes. I went along and sort of made sure it happened and it was it was really great it's so fun to do that with old friends and, and make that happen but then 
Billie Eilish wore our slogan to the American Music Awards completely off her own bat. She'd heard of it, loved the slogan and asked us to get involved. And so that's how that wow. kind of messaging spreads like wildfire in a way. Do you think because we've not been able to, you know, take in the... The, the live music element of of this conversation to, you know, as an example, because we haven't been able to go to festivals, to go to gigs, has this been a useful time to have conversations with all those different people that are involved in that environment to go, okay, we've got an opportunity now to restart? Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the, the difficult things is that venues, especially small venues, are going through an incredibly difficult time. The whole live music industry is so the sensitivity of the issue is that let's get it back on its feet and hopefully we can sort of have a a, a build back better sort of um, look at that. Yeah. But also in this time, there's been all sorts of other ways in which we can look at things that we can do. So something that Music Declares has been looking at and helping to promote is the way we use our money. So basically, mm-hmm. banks are huge investors in the fossil fuel industry. But there are other banks that aren't. So if you've got your money in one of the banks that do support the fossil fuel industry, then you're basically, your money's being invested in dirty energy. And you don't want that, right? I don't want that. Why? It doesn't make any difference for us. So there are other banks that don't do that. So one of the things we've been working on is supporting a a new initiative called Switch It. Yeah. And... um, they're helping people sort of find out what their money is doing and just make a, a really simple change. And that's an enormous, enormous, enormous thing that you can do. Mm. We're all funding the fossil fuel industry with our own money at the moment in ways that perhaps we didn't get time to think about until everything stopped. And we're like, OK, I'm sat at home for the next six months. What can I do about that? Was it a moment for you, um, you know, being... You know, I've I've watched you playing Savages so many times. Um, I remember, the, I think the first time I saw you guys was at Hackney at Rudy One's Big Weekend. <laughs> and like in the middle of the afternoon <laughs> yeah. on this, this kind of little stage, it was like, oh my God, who are this? That was amazing. <laughs> that was a very early show. Yeah, it was so good. Like you had me from that point. But but was there a point for you? Because, you know, you, touring is such a big part of of that part of your life and but where you went do you know what I need to do something I want to I need to make what I do more sustainable I need to try and make you know throw my weight to this was there was a specific moment for you yeah I read a book by Naomi Klein called this changes everything and it changed everything for me because (laughs) (laughs) I should have known by the title but basically it's Mm. it just lays out what an incredibly serious and terrifying situation we're in and you can either just go into denial about it, which our governments are, etc. They all know the truth about it. They all know what the science facts are. Or you can try and do something about it. So initially, I started making some videos and interviewing people and just getting interested whilst I was on tour. Like, how can I use being in America? It was really just a first step. And then as the climate movement's grown and grown in the last few years, there's been so many more opportunities to to get involved yeah and because you are you have a worldwide audience that you know are fans of what you Mm. do therefore you have this wonderful platform to reach not just a UK audience it's a global audience yeah yeah it is I mean ever it's it's interesting because the music industry it transcends borders 
as does the climate issue, mm. we can use those voices and use that commu- world community to sort of try and make some changes happen. Amazing. So how can people get involved? So, yeah, so get involved in Music Declares Emergency. So that's musicdeclares.net. And you can write to your MP and you can switch your bank. And once you've done all of those things, you're fine. You can just chill out, have a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for the um, 180DB record to come out. Absolutely. Follow 180DB on your socials and wait for that record to come out. It's so great to chat to you. Thanks, Faye. Take care. Thanks, Edith. Take care. Oh, 180DB. I have everything crossed for that collaboration project to be released very soon. It's also very hard to hold back my fun girl with Faye. I adore savages. See what I did there? Great to talk to Faye and draw a spotlight on all the incredible work she is doing. Get involved. So unfortunately, it's getting close to the end of the show, but I have got an amazing track coming up to curb any end of show sadness you might be feeling. Been a Little While is a brainchild of two people, as in their band name is two people, but they also consist of, you guessed it, two people, Phoebe Lou and Joey Clough. As teenagers, they were members of Australian band Snackadactyl, but on their new project, they propel forward, demonstrating their music production abilities with haunting vocals and stellar compositions. This is Two People and Been a Little While.
That's Two People and Been a Little While. What a track, what a show, actually. Some cracking tunes there. And that, I'm afraid, brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in your ears next Wednesday. Until then, take care. 